0: Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go to Minnesota Vikings podcast. And Kyle, we're recording Saturday morning. Uh, how are you feeling after last night's game?
1: You know, when we uh, just before we started recording, I was saying to Sam that it kind of feels like Groundhog Day a little bit. We're just seeing the same thing over and over again. Now, mind you, the game was a touch better, I suppose, for the offense. Uh, They they at least scored a couple touchdowns. There was, I guess, it was somewhat close in the end. But uh, overall, overall, is an underwhelming preseason.
0: Yeah, I like the the good news is that we won't have to play the Chiefs. um, The season until the Super Bowl,
1: Um, (laughs) exactly.
0: I I saw Dustin Baker tweeted that um, last night, but. That is a very good team. And watching Patrick Mahomes in there was, uh, was something to watch. And it was like, okay, so um, this is what a, a, a Super Bowl contending team looks like.
1: Yeah, just uh, decisive, crisp, explosive. I mean, we'll talk about it, I'm sure. But like, as soon as he saw the safety creep down on Tyreek Hill's side of the field, so the safety creeps down, which is signaling to him that Bashab Breeland is one-on-one in Tyreek Hill in press coverage. It's game over. I mean, DJ Wanham was our, – our defensive end was in pass coverage on the other side of the field, and it didn't matter. Mahomes didn't want to look to that. side. So, like, as soon as he sees Tyreek Hill one-on-one, no safety help, lobs it up, and, of course, it's a touchdown. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it's automatic for those two.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that's it's a more of a – well – I think it's, it would be fair to try to talk yourself into it, saying that it's more a reflection on the Chiefs than the Vikings, but there's definitely some concern I could see for for fans, and I've seen, seen a lot of concern. And um, is, I'm, yeah. I am curious to hear your thoughts, because I think that last night's game um, left me with some mixed thoughts, and I think that I still feel somewhat positive, but... Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk at all during last night's game. At, at one point, I was going to text you, like at the start, and I was like, "This is like a five and twelve team right now." Yeah, um, yeah. that's kind of where I was at, and I still think that there's the chance to be to be better than that. But um, yeah, things are things are looking touchy. So let's let's get into first down here and talk with the offense. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a recap of what happened and what you saw from from the Vikings offense last night?
1: Yeah, so the offense things started well, right? Like I, we, we just mentioned the Tyree kill play. And that was the opening drive of the game that Kansas city had the ball and Mahomes found Hill. And you're saying, okay, you know, one-on-one Bre- Breeland on Hill. Well, in some ways that comes down to, you know, we almost think it's the coaching in a sense where it's like, you're letting the safety creep down on Hill side of the field. That's just bad defense. Right. And so you kind of, I kind of said, all right, fine. And then the offense comes out and they start marching the ball down the field. And Irv Smith looks strong and explosive, and all of us are saying. I mean, when I say us, I mean Sam and I, folks who write about the Vikings, people who follow the Vikings. Everyone's saying Irv Smith, like this dude, just needs more opportunity. He's going to explode. Like he's he's a really, really a gifted player, and uh, so things were looking good. I thought, and and different guys were getting involved, and it was really good to see. Unfortunately, they stalled, in a, uh, and then Greg Joseph kicked the field goal, and you say, okay, fine, seven three you know, at least there are some positives, but then, you know, in these next two series, things just went really poorly. Uh, you had the early sack on, uh, on cousins, you know, and it's one of those ones where the Vikings are never a team. We're like, we're not Kansas city, right? Like we're just not built for second and 18, especially not in the preseason because in second and 18, you're either going to, Throw a screen pass or something to try and pick up, you know, maybe you run and try and pick up six, seven, eight yards, make the third down more manageable. But even then, you're in another predictable passing scenario. And I do wonder in the preseason where you don't have Christian Derisaw, who is supposed to be your starting left tackle, where you don't have Thielen, Jefferson, or Cook, are you super willing to say, All right, Kirk, here's a five step drop, seven step drop? Let's see you really try and go for it, right? Like how, how creative and aggressive do you want to get in that kind of scenario? You don't have your good weapons or your best weapons, rather. I mean, you have good weapons, you know, Irv Smith's a good weapon. There's other guys there, but, uh, and then you don't have the full protection in front of you that we were hoping for. And so I, want, I do wonder if, in a sense, that's that series where we got behind the sticks with the sack, I just feel like with with Clint Kubiak, you know, could have been more aggressive, could have been more creative. But given the circumstances, it kind of makes sense that you don't want your dude to get lit up, right? Especially after he got in that situation because he just got hit really hard, yeah. right, by the, by the defender. So I don't necessarily think it's reason to completely panic yet for the first-team offense.
0: No, no. And like you said, they're they're obviously not working with – the starting roster as it's no. designed to be you're you like they haven't like you haven't seen Thielen or Jefferson like I don't know Thielen came in for the one drive I think he only played a, like a play or two like the yeah. first his first target was was the injury um yeah that's right so the thigh bruise yeah. so it it, I guess one of the things I'm wondering and I don't know if you would agree but it feels at this point obviously there's some key players on that offensive first team but it feels a little bit like um Kubiak is kind of almost the one that's most like you're kind of most curious to watch does that make sense like I just like the play calling how this offense is going to work like you know the talents there it is a little bit like the question mark I think at this point is is this going to be utilized well um, in terms of using the personnel and using having the play calling that's going to best utilize these these guys
1: that's exactly my, my feeling, right? I mean, we know you could pretty reasonably make the case that Thielen, Jefferson, and Smith, if you're like two, re- two receivers and a tight ends, that could, that could reasonably be the best trio in the league. Um, I mean, I know like Tyree Kill and, and uh, Kelsey, you know, those two, you know, would be better than, say, Jefferson and, and Smith. But when you factor in this, the second receiver, I mean, I just think those three pass catchers are so excellent. And then Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, he is at worst a top three running back in the league. And so you get, and then at this point, we know who we know who Kirk Cousins is, right? Like he's, you know, good but not great. Sometimes great, sometimes less than good, but usually comes back to that good but not great status, top 12-ish kind of quarterback. And we kind of suspect that the offensive line is going to continue to be so so, right? So then it comes down to Clint Kubiak. He's he's the wild card. And can you actually get the most out of this group, overcome those concerns they have on the offensive line? And I think at this point, we also know that if Cousins goes down for one reason or another, we're in big, big trouble because neither of those guys, Browning or Mond, are ready to actually take snaps in a real NFL game.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I actually thought that Mond has continued to look better and better and actually quite liked what he did last night. I think there's a little bit of an asterisk because of how much the Chiefs were up, but I, exactly. I, I thought I thought he actually played quite well, and I've have been impressed with his composure. There's definitely things, but that are could be concerning. But even just watching him scramble on some of those um, plays when to get a first down um, yeah. is just so encouraging. But I like if he is the starter, and he's going consistently against the other team's best. I think there is. Certainly, um, that's, that's not the situation you want to be in um, Yeah, th- this year. Um, yeah. 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 I, I guess one of the things we want to – and one of the things I want to ask you for each of the offense, defense, and special teams is who would you say is a surprise cut for um, – that, that you could see happening on the offensive end of the ball?
1: So my surprise cut so – keep in mind, we're recording this Saturday morning. By the time this gets out to folks – we're going to probably know a lot of these things. Uh, but my, my guess for a cut that might surprise some people would be D.D. Westbrook, the receiver who was brought in. Uh, a lot of people assume that he would be, you know, perhaps take one of the return jobs, whether, whether it be punt or kickoff, and then uh, be the wide receiver three, take some of that stress and burden off of Phelan, off of Jefferson, help open up the offense a little bit more, more 11 personnel. You know, the old football saying is you, you can't make the club from the tub. Right. Like you can't make the team if you're constantly in the ice tub or in the trainer's room getting work or whatever, whatever it is. Right. Like it's. He just hasn't been able to get on the field as he bounces back from his ACL. And so I do wonder right now, you, it seems that the team feels obviously Thielen and Jefferson are both locks. The team feels pretty good about Chad B being KJ Osborne. And then they also seem to quite like Amir Smith-Marset. So now we get five. Well, mm-hmm. how many are we going to keep? right and and then and then can we justify a sixth who we haven't seen right like and so I D.D. Westbrook would be my kind of you know it at least be notable it was not completely out of left fields given the circumstances but it'd be notable given how much optimism there was when he was first signed
0: right for sure I think that makes sense and, and like you said there's there's some names there and we saw Osborne and, and Smithmar said I thought had a, a pretty good game last night and even seeing him in special teams obviously Mm -hmm. he's still getting acclimatized to that position but um just seemed decisive made some good decisions um didn't make any big mistakes which is um always always a plus but that 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 I think makes sense there's definitely some hype I know when we were talking about that wide receiver three position Westbrook was a name that came up but um, yeah, there is certainly some, some depth of that position. And so, um, yeah, that makes sense. So. Uh, so transition to second down and, and talking about the defense. Uh, why don't you give a little bit of a recap of what you saw saw there?
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is it was so good to see Everson Griffin back on the field and then to get a sack. It was weird seeing him. I think he was 58, number 58, rather than 97 because Michael Pierce snagged that number. Um, and there's still some discussion about whether or not Griffin's going to get it back. Pierce seems open to it, Um, but man, it was good seeing him on the field, get a sack, do a sack dance, you know, just that energy that he brings. But then, you know, it was discouraging to see them struggle against Kansas City's first-team offense, but again, it's within the context of No Patrick Peterson, no Eric Hendricks, no Anthony Barr. I don't think Harrison Smith played. No Daniel Hunter. Um, And again, how creative is Zim getting with this defense? Um, You know, if we're actually playing Kansas City in the regular season, are we bringing our safety down like that on that play where Breland was matched up one-on-one? Possibly. You know, possibly we would have been, but, like, you got to think that, you know, every team tries to double. Tyreek Hill but you know at least make it more difficult I, I just I wonder if you know Zim was just trying different things and it's if he burns us he burns us right and, and that's fine right and, and then it's and then it's more information about Breland and his ability to maybe jam at the line of scrimmage and then run with some of the faster receivers in the league so I again you, you add the caveat that you're missing a lot of your elite talent the play calling and the overall scheme is not as creative and aggressive as it really would have been um and so you take it a little bit with a grain of salt i mean i was encouraged last week against indianapolis right and that we only allowed the 12 points and so that was really good to see after the denver game kansas city of course they're an offensive juggernaut and uh and so you you factor in the the fact that they're an offensive juggernaut and then all this talent and how zim might adjust things and Again, I don't necessarily think it's, it's reason to be super, super concerned. Um, again, you know, the season's coming up, and so things got to get sorted out. But one thing that's unique about this preseason is that, you know, you don't just end the fourth preseason game and then go into play a normal game like a week later. So we ended this third and final preseason game, and now there's more than two weeks before we play. So there is time for, you know, more improvement, more fine-tuning of the roster, more guys to get healthy. Etc. And so I am expecting and hoping for a considerably different feel week one. So, so Sunday, September 12th, I think Sunday, September 12th yep. is uh, the game against Cincinnati, right? So I'm expecting a very, very different product on the field.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely felt like the defense, at least from what we saw the week before against the Colts, took a little bit of a step back. Um, but yeah. Yeah. They uh, part of that it just felt like they were even hesitant with uh, more so when Mahomes was in there, it just like felt like they're just and it's it's he's a scary dude to be playing against exactly. I think uh, he
1: intimidates guys,
0: he, he does like it Just They it seems like they're they're thinking rather than yeah. um reacting, but yeah, there's, there's obviously some big names there that will be impact players on that defense, and it's amazing. And we've talked about the domino effect of of how yep. teams work and defenses work and um like having those guys in just takes pressure off of all these other guys and, and allows for um just the whole product i think will we'll significantly improve as long yep. as all those guys are able to be in there and and stay healthy exactly um, yep. who would you put as a surprise cut on the defensive end
1: Right, so it's it's funny you you didn't I don't think intend to make a pun there, but a defensive end on the defensive end. Well, I'm I'm going with a defensive end as my surprise cut. Um, so I'm thinking Steven Weatherly. I think might actually get cut, hmm. uh, even though I know the team the team likes him. I like him. I hope he's on the team. He's really long. He's really smart. Um, but he would be one again that would be again not completely out of left field. I'm not talking. Just, like crazy, oh, we're going to cut Eric Kendricks. No, no, not at all. Like we're going to. So Stephen Weatherly, though, I think makes some sense in that he's got a two and a half million dollar salary. You save two million if you cut him. And so, if the team really is serious about, say, trading for a backup quarterback or whatever the case may be, and they need to free up money or whatever it is, uh, or if maybe they just want the extra cash or they think it's worth it, you do save eighty percent of his contract in terms of your cap hit, which is significant. Uh, And there is depth at that position, even with Janarius Robinson being out for this season, there is some decent depth at that position still. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Weatherly ended up getting cut just because you have now Griffin, Wanham, Hunter. We'll see what they do with Jalen Holmes, Patrick Jones, the second, he's going to be on the team. You know, he's the draft pick. So you have four guys pretty much guaranteed Jalen Holmes. They might prefer him uh as as more of a run stuffer and and so we'll see and he's cheaper too right and so we'll see if weatherly is that surprise cut yeah well i
0: know that chris thomason tweeted out uh actually this morning before recording here like that weatherly and, and wanham very much seemed to be competing for a spot last night and both played i want to 26 st- snaps and weatherly played 28 snaps interesting um, okay And he said both had three tackles. One of Wanham's was a sack for a loss of three. Um, So that's interesting. I I think that um, it is like, I just think the defensive end is a significant and important position. Um, Yes. So I, it it will be curious to see what happens, but obviously there are some, some players there that are competing for that spot. So um, I think that's, that's a, that's a fair surprise cut.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, good.
0: Good. Um, Transition down to, th- to third down in, in special teams.
1: Uh, what did what did you see there? It's disappointing seeing Joseph miss that kick, right? Like I so really, eh? He had plenty of leg, and yeah. like he looks. There were times with Bailey last year when he missed, and you said to yourself that didn't have a freaking chance. Like he just like it looks like his confidence is shot. Like he just misses so badly. I've never felt that way about Joseph. Right, he always seems to strike it true. Confident, steady. Um, I was disappointed that he missed that kick because he had missed the 51 yarder the week before. So now he's had two long attempts in the preseason. And he's missed, well, I mean, 250 plus. He also hit a 49 yarder. So that, that's a long field goal. Um, so, in fairness to him, he did hit a long field goal against Indianapolis, but he's had two from 50 plus and he's missed both. Um, now, both of them, it wasn't like, you know, he totally shanked them. Blair Walsh style in that, you know, Seattle game or Dan yep. Bailey last year. Um, so I'm not saying that we necessarily, again, need to outright panic yet, but I I I wonder, you know, week one, Cincinnati, the offense stalls, we get a 50-yard field goal. What's you know, what's Zim gonna do? Does Zim feel confident sending out Joseph? Because you gotta keep in mind, you know, Zim's always preaching about complimentary football what he means by that is just what Sam was saying in a sense from within the defense is that it's all interconnected, right? And so you have that domino effect. So if we miss that field goal, well, then Cincinnati takes over at that spot in the field. They therefore have a shorter way to go. It makes, you know, so the special teams failed. Well, now it's harder on the defense because Cincinnati gets the ball at at a nice spot in the field. And now the defense now has a harder time, right? Whereas in contrast, if the special team succeeds, well, then they can kick it off and maybe then have it you know, be able to pin them in or close to their own end zone or maybe get a touchback and then life is easier for the defense. Right. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Zim handles that. I do think Greg Joseph will be our kicker and I'm still in favor of Greg Joseph being our kicker. He was really, really solid on the extra points, really solid from 50 in. So I'll, I'll give him credit. And I think, uh, gosh, who was I seeing? I think it might've been Will or Gatz, the, um, Sports Illustrated, Uh, vikings beat reporter was talking about how you know 52 yarder outside windy conditions not an easy kick but it's still notable two from 50 plus he's missed both um we'll see he he almost had a chance say he almost had a chance for a 51 yarder later in the game Mm -hmm. but then there was a penalty on kansas city which i thought okay fine we'll see him from 46 but then Zim decided to put the offense back out in the field. It was uh, a great call. I it was. It was, it, was the right, it was the right decision, right? Exactly. Uh, but I, for me, selfishly, I was almost hoping, I was preferring to see Greg Joseph with that kick. Because one, one of the things that has happened with Vikings kickers is, okay, so you know, Sam's our kicker. Sam goes out and he misses a kick, and then he spirals. Right. And then, and then he gets, he has the yips. He loses confidence. And then it's not just one miss kick, but then Sam misses five of his next 10. So what I want to see with Greg Joseph is, so he misses one kick. Can he overcome his own mistakes? That's what, that's what I want to see. And that's what I wanted to see with that next field goal. I mean, in Indianapolis, he missed throwing from 51 yards, but then he hit his from 49 yards. And so I said, all right, you know, well done. You, you didn't, you didn't allow that to, to get in the way of your next one. And so what I wanted to see is can you overcome your own mistakes because kicking is so, so mental. It's so much. So much of it is between your ears, right? Like it's it's confidence in yourself. Uh, and so Zim made the right decision. Sam's right, but I was I was hoping to see him kick that field goal. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, I, can you remember the game that it was with with Bailey last year, where it was like miss after miss that kept getting worse and worse? It was near the end of the season. Tampa Bay but there's, it was Tampa Bay. I'm pretty sure it was Tampa Bay. It yeah. was something like that. I know it was early on when this is, it was like one of the first episodes we recorded, but he was yeah. just, it was like, Oh man, this is just, this is getting this is bad from worse. Or, uh, it's it's from painful. From, bad or worse. Yeah. So I want to disagree with you a little bit on Joseph and I, All I'm right. going to defer to you because you know more than me. And so like, there's a chance that um, I'm completely off on here, but I, for me, with a kicker i want for the kicker to be automatic from 50 yards in okay and anything other than that if they hit anything that's 50 plus i consider that bonus i know that that's like obviously there are times when once you get uh it is hard especially near the end of games Um, like you sometimes you need to count on a kicker making a 50 yarder because of um yardages that you're able to get and like obviously when a kicker when you can count on a kicker to make those longer field goals um it just helps put points on the board but right. for me like i would not be discouraged um as long as a kicker was basically perfect from inside 50 yards obviously there's things that happen um that sometimes are even out of the kicker's control but like i i just these are professionals and and i know that they can do it but it mm-hmm. just seems to me like i'm not too concerned about a kicker missing a 50 plus yard field goal.
1: The only thing, like it, it limits you strategically, right? Right, If you don't, if you don't feel confident, like what we're just saying there, like, so you find yourself in that bit of a tweener spot where you can't really punt because you're at like the 35. And so why would you punt? You maybe gain, like, if you're lucky, you gain like 10, 20 yards in field position. And even then, like your punter is a good chance. He's going to probably land it into the end zone or something like that. And so it's, but then you say, okay, well, it's, but it's fourth and six, fourth and seven. Do we go for it? It just kind of puts you in a bit of an awkward spot. It makes it certainly difficult for um, the coaching staff, for Zim. And I kind of, I was, when you're saying that, I was kind of wondering, So, and it's, it's not a perfect analogy by any means. It's because it, it's different. It's a different sport. But I was thinking like, okay, like if I had a player, like if my point guard hit all his layups, it was just automatic, you know, all his layups, all the stuff around the rim was perfect. Right. You know, his mid-range game was really solid. You know, he, he could hit the mid-range jumper with, like, really, really good consistency, and I loved it. But then he just was brutal from three. You know, do I want that player on my team? And I was like, yeah, probably. Like, there's still, like, a lot of value there. But, again, it limits you, right? Like, when you don't uh, – and, again, it's, it's not a very good analogy when I, now that I say it out loud, but
0: – It makes sense. It, it
1: is in, in, in a certain degree of, like, that range – having range being able to yeah is it is it easier to hit a layup than a three-pointer corner three of course and is, is it nice if you can be Steph Curry from the corner of course but like not every kicker is that And I don't necessarily think Greg Joseph needs to be you know drilling them from 55 yards consistently that's not what we want but I do think that it would be nice to see uh, a little bit more consistency there now can the right. Vikings work around this yeah they can, they can work around it. If, if they know, at least, at least you know, if you say, okay, you know what? This dude's range is 49 and in. Once, we, once we're 50 plus, unless it's a desperation scenario, like the end of a game, and it's like, you know, fourth and 13 or something like that, and we got a 53-yarder, and this really is our best chance, then we're, we're not doing it. And if the team says that, it makes up their minds, and it kind of limits them strategically, but at least they know right and so maybe maybe that's how they'll proceed and maybe greg joseph will be just lights out when the extra points lights out from 49 and in all right so be it right like there there is value to that right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah like i part i'm trying to think through some math percentages of what would you'd rather have but like i'd rather have like a very high percentage kicker from uh 50 yards and in like kind of whatever it is high like mid to high 90s uh, yep. and kind of think it's a 50-50 shot for kicker to make the 50-plus yard field goal than to have someone that's a kicker that's like eighty mid-80s mid from within 50 yards um, but has like a, a slightly 65% chance of, of making those 50-plus yard field goals. Um, I, I think know that Zim he, would
1: agree with you too. I, th- I think that would be Zim's philosophy.
0: Right. And I think like obviously sometimes that 50-plus yard field goal is the difference between a win and a loss. Yep. and and that's that is the significant factor like how many football games end up being um, determined by a game-ending field goal Uh, like games are games are close Uh, and we saw that with the Vikings last year in a a few other games especially early on in the season Um, but
1: especially down the stretch when you're playing better teams yeah and it's neck and neck what's going to set you apart you know if if we really are a top team in the NFC which I don't know if we will be necessarily but Let's say that we are, and we're going up against another top team. You know, wh- what's going to set you apart? M- may- maybe it is, you know, a-, a clutch field goal kicker, right? Like, you know, Vikings fans know about that, right? Like a, a kicker, uh, think about the Tennessee game. I mean, it's, I know that it's not down the stretch kind of thing, but we lost that Tennessee game. Dude, Steven Guskowski was just phenomenal. He hit three from 50-plus, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had six field goals that game, if I'm not mistaken, and three of them were from 50-plus. Yeah. Tennessee won that game, right, At, largely because of Guskowski. So, you know, and, and we missed the playoffs by one game, right? And so it would be nice. But I, like Sam, what Sam is saying is true, and I think the Vikings will, will take Joseph if he really is that option who can be lights out from 49 and in. Um, it is a touch disappointing. But in fairness to him, it's not like the kicks were coming up short. It had plenty yeah. of leg. Like he, he had the length for it. He just was inaccurate, and may, maybe the wind caught it a little bit. But uh, he did have the leg for it. So there's something to be said for that,
0: for sure. And I, I like, we can wrap up on this discussion here. But I know um, yeah. Cole, who I know writes over at the Vikings Gazette, talked a little bit about how Joseph, uh, from what he had seen, has a tendency to miss right, and last night was a miss right too. And in yeah. some ways, I find that actually optimistic in the sense that okay, there's kind of a known tenancy yep. here and so yes. there's the ability to fix it yeah. um
1: but exactly
0: who who i guess would you say then is a surprise cut that you could see happening on special teams
1: that's the thing right like kind of feels like with special teams you're limited like, yeah you're limited you get your three true specialists and that you have your long snapper de paolo or de paulo rather and then colquitt and joseph and i don't necessarily think any of the three are going to be cut um i think there are maybe concerns about colquitt and the de- and not Paula, but uh, Joseph, which we've been kind of discussing. But Colquitt has played well these past two games. He struggled the first one, kicked well, punted well these past two games. And Joseph, I think, has done enough to be the kicker for now. Um, from there, you know, I, but then again, you know, wouldn't it be shocking if, if someone notable gets cut, a kicker or a punter gets cut, uh, which I'm sure it will happen, uh, somewhere in the league, it wouldn't be shocking if the Vikings brought someone in. Otherwise, in terms of special teams, like I don't actually know. I, maybe D- uh, Dan Kizna, but again, like he's just he's a depth wide receiver who is, you know, there as a gunner last year. There's a pretty good chance he'll get cut this year. I don't know if that qualifies as a surprise cut, um, but maybe I'll say I wouldn't be surprised if someone was brought in to either directly compete with or potentially replace Colquitt or Joseph. And then from there, some of these like true core special teamers like Dan Kizuna, it wouldn't be shocking to see him get cut. Like his role in the team is really only in special teams coverage. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if this year that's not enough, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I don't know if you were listening last night, but the, uh, the like from from my feed I got the Kansas City
1: feed. Yeah, um, me too. With the yep.
0: with the, the zone and and yep. uh I know they were talking about towns and um and his just his rough Super Bowl, but how they just have put some faith in him and just said like we're not going to bring anyone in like we trust you despite what you you did. Yep. And obviously having going to Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls yeah, uh, yeah. helps where where you're at at times I do feel like, um, it's worth putting some trust in guys and saying, you know what, you're, yeah. you're the guy. Um, so I, I, I just, I know that you're talking about bringing people in. Um, but it did resonate with me. I think that sometimes there's this mindset of, you know, I are going to bring someone in for competition and, and competition is good. Um, uh, but especially at these special team positions where you're making a few decisions a game, um, you, you only get a few plays a game to know that you have, um uh, that the people are confident in your abilities, I yep. think is, is important. So uh, yep. yep, yeah, just That's to kind fair. of counter the, the, the mindset I think of just always thinking about bringing someone else in or someone, someone new. And
1: yep. Fair enough.
0: Good. Well, we can wrap up with, with that. We've got just briefly on odds and ends. I, I know I'm talking about the wild and talking about uh, Caprizo's contract. Uh, I came out this week that, um, the The offer from the KHL, um, the the team has publicly stated that he's not going to be there this season, um, so I think that helps maybe take a little bit of the the pressure off. I know there was, like we're looking at it now; it's only a couple of days away. This September first imposed deadline that they put on, mm-hmm. it does sound like they're working on a contract. It seems like term is the issue right now. Yeah, which which makes sense. Um, yeah, it important, does. Sure. Yeah, especially considering where the Minnesota Wild and what their off seasons look like. Um, but regardless, it, I think that, as we've been saying all along, it looks pretty optimistic that things will happen. Something will happen there, and that that will be that will be wrapped up, uh, hopefully, relatively quickly.
1: So, if that K- that KHL team, which am I remembering correctly, Sam, you were saying they had an eight-figure offer to him, which is to say, 10, 10 million plus. That was
0: that was the rumor the that was being put. The report right. that was put out. Yeah.
1: So, if they're publicly saying you know, we know that this deal, unfortunately, with Kaprizov is not going to happen. That means, to me, I would interpret that as to say, okay, like things things are really progressing between the Wild and Kaprizov. And it's not a matter of if, it's just when. Like the, a deal is going to get done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: like I don't see this being a situation where it goes into the season. I don't, like I think that at some point you kind of just realize that the... They kind of figure out and have an agreement on the term um it sounds like yeah there's there's disagreement on that but i i think that it's not about if it's when at this point sure um, at least sure. What, what i would say um and the other other thing that i was thinking um that i noticed this week uh Kusnodinov, the second rounder from from last year's draft started out in uh KHL preseason and had had three points to start it off and nice uh, look good, and people are already talking about him being a steal in the second round. Nice. Um, anyway, a good player. We saw him in the, the World Juniors, but um, definitely someone to look out for. I know last year he bounced around between a few different leagues, um, between the MHL and VHL and KHL and in Russia, and those are all just very different leagues and teams, and you can look at the stats and kind of wonder, but he... Is a, a significant player. I think he's he's going to be great, and I know they're already talking about what is looking. It's going to look like with the center depth when with yeah. him and Rossi and uh, and Eriksson for for years to come.
1: It's excellent because I mean the team. It's nice when you hit on that top draft pick. It's great to hit on your first round picks, but if you really want to build a contender, strong teams, it takes more than just your first round picks. And yeah. so that's that's excellent news. That's good. Yeah, good. Well, I want to thank
0: everyone for listening. Uh, Kyle where can listeners find more of your
1: work so keep coming back to the podcast keep listening here for for Sam and I's takes on the Vikings of course but you can also find some of my writing at vikingsgazette.com that's the site that I own and I'm also a managing editor over at purpleptsd.com so check that out as well and our sister site vikingsterritory.com also has some great great work and then you can find me on twitter at vikingsgazette and the same thing on facebook at vikingsgazette so any of those options would be just fine Otherwise, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, sounds great. It's uh, I guess we'll we'll have another week where we can talk a little bit about yep. and and preview the the season coming up, and then we will have NFL regular season games. So looking forward to that all starting. So yeah, take care, and we'll talk to you next week.